we've been talking about, like Ryan said, the, the Fight Club series, and it's been all about engaging the spiritual battles that we uh, as Christians are sometimes unaware of. And um, last Sunday, we spoke specifically about using our testimonies as um, as witnesses, uh, sorry, as weapon, our testimony as a weapon. And I tell you that this week we're going to continue and close out on last week's sermon. So if you brought your cards, I'm happy that you brought them so we can continue filling them out because we need to complete that. But it's also Pentecost Sunday, y'all. So like, like I hear of every Sunday being celebrated here in the Christian calendar, but look, I was the one that needed to remind everybody that it's Pentecost Sunday. What's up with that? It's like, is, is Pentecost Sunday not a thing here? Yeah? It needs to be. It's one of the most significant moments in the early church. And so it boggles my mind that everybody is like this Wednesday and that Tuesday and this whatnot, but nobody talks about Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday was like an advent of its own. It was a moment that catalyzed God's mission on earth. And so not only did the disciples get filled with the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday, but it marked the beginning of the Christian church's mission to share this message of Jesus to the world. Let me read to you what happened in that time, because sometimes it's, it, it becomes foggy in our brains how, how important this is. Acts 1 verse 4 to 8 says this, And while staying with them, let's talk about Jesus after he was raised from the dead, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. All right, don't go yet is what Jesus said. How many of you know that we've like been, hey, let's go. It's time to go. Time to go share the gospel. Time to go preach. Time to go to the world. Time to go. It's been time to go for a while. But there was a time when Jesus says, don't go yet. Don't go yet because if you go, you'll be going without something. He says, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, it's not for you to know the time and seasons. And look, <laughs> I wish more Christians would take that sentence seriously. Stop worrying about the times and the seasons. It's not for us to know about that. Jesus was literally blowing off that question. We should too. Stop worrying about the second coming, when it's going to be, the, 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 when is the Antichrist coming, when is all these things. Stop worrying about that. It's not for us to know. We might be aware, and it's good to be aware of what's going on, so that you know we remember that Jesus is coming soon. But it's not for us to make it our life's mission to figure out the day and time that Jesus is going to come. It's ridiculous how the church is just so infatuated with that. Jesus blew that off. It's like, stop worrying about that. It's not for you to know the times and seasons that the Father has fixed in his own authority. But then he says, this is what you've got to focus on. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit come on you and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. This is what Jesus calls our attention to, guys. So we're a church that want to focus on the things that Jesus majored on. Not the things that were part of the discussion, but were really things that were going to happen whether we interact with it or not. Guess what's not going to happen if we don't interact with it? The gospel being shared to the ends of the earth. 
Guess what's not going to be bothered by our interaction or not? The time Jesus comes back. That time has been fixed by the Father's authority. Whether you know it or whether you don't know it, whether you're ready for it or whether you're prepared for it or not, it's coming. You can't change anything about that. Neither can I. But you know what you can change? The fact that your, gospel, that, that your neighbor heard about Jesus. You can change that. You can change that. And that's what he wants us to focus on. And so when we talk about our testimony being a weapon, this is what it entails. It entails focusing and understanding what the role of the Holy Spirit was and how that is supposed to catalyze us to share the gospel with people around us. Can I hear somebody agree with that? Woo, it's going to be a tough morning. All right, I'm going to keep preaching. I hope you catch up with me. So we said that, Christ, that my testimony is God's story. Remember, testimony is not your story. It's actually God's story of Christ in you, Christ entering into your life. And then after that, your testimony consists of two parts. The first is how Christ came into your life. The second is Christ through you, how Christ is shared with people around you. That's the second part of your testimony. You need both to be a powerful witness to, God, uh, to God's story. So we ended off last week by preparing our own testimonies. And so how many of you brought your cards back? Okay. If you brought your card back, hopefully you brought your card back to complete the session because I did say we'll complete it. I hope you made the connection. I'll have grace for you. But the second service, I told them outright, bring back your cards. So if they don't bring back their cards, it's on them. But you I have grace for. So we gave you that other little form. Okay. Grab a pen. If you don't have a pen, put up your hand. The gushers will be with you. I want you to just go on a little journey with me here because what I'm going to share next with you is how you share the gospel with people in a super simple but clear way. And then after that, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit's empowerment, how the Holy Spirit helps us to battle in this fight and how he prepares us to witness. All right, so we're going to show you a little illustration. You can show this to people literally on a napkin in a restaurant. If, you have a, if you're in a conversation and you don't even have something to write on, grab a napkin and you can show this to somebody to help them understand how they can be saved. You can use the back of a business card, any little piece of receipt that you have. This doesn't have to be fancy. And the way, the way I don't need it. Give it to somebody that needs it in the next service. Um, but this is simply and powerfully how you help people understand how to get saved. The Bible says that the good news of God is the power unto salvation. Paul said, I'm not afraid of, I'm not ashamed of this. I'm not ashamed to tell people about this because it's the power of God to save people if they would believe. Okay. And so we're going to focus on just four really simple points. And they're represented by the, the four symbols at the top. So if you start this, this, um, this illustration, what you start off by is just write, drawing a little heart, an X, a cross, and a question mark at the top of the page. And here's how the story goes. It's real simple. These four symbols tell a little story. And that story says that, you know what? God has always loved us. He created us to be in a relationship with us. He loved us. He initiated love. And because he loved us, we can respond in love to God. You were meant for relationship with God. And that's, that's the, the beginning of the story. But then something tragic happened. You see the little cross, the little X, no, not the cross, the X across the heart that I drew there? That represents 
our sin and what happened. When mankind sinned, it broke that love relationship between God and man. And man was separated from God. Now you see the two little cliffs that were drawn on the picture. And so you draw those two cliffs on the napkin and you put man on the one side and you put God on the other side. And you explain to the person that this is a insurmountable gap. The Bible says that we have been separated from God and nothing we do is able to close that gap. Nothing we do is able to close that gap. So in the, in the top line there, you write the word sin. That X represents the fact that we sin. And now you've got to keep rolling with me on those slides. Well done. And what sin did, according to the scripture verses that you can find on that um, card that I gave you, but if you didn't have them, the first one was for the heart was 1 John 4 verse 19. You don't have to know these verses to quote them. You just have to understand this story. The second one is Romans 3 verse 23 that says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now go back to that graphic. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6 verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death. And you write down death on that side because that's all the response and all the, all the, um, the outcome of our sin it produces death in our lives. And that death separates us from God who is life. And so you write the word separate there. And it completes that picture of man being separated from God. Now when you draw this, remember you don't have any of those little arrows. Hello. Any of those little arrows that fall down into that pit. But now you start drawing them. See, everything man tries to do to breach that gap basically ends up in a failure. The Bible says that, the, um, that, that the, the, the wages of sin is death. And it ends up in eternal separation from God in hell. And so man tries to close that gap by religion. He tries to, to be very pious. He tries to follow lists of do's and don'ts. And there's so many religions. And so even today, you find, um, you find even Christian uh, thinkers start thinking that there are legitimate other religions that might have the same path unto God. It's becoming, it's becoming further and further away from the truth. But man tries religion, you know. So man thinks that, you know, through, through all the, 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 the religious works I do, I might gain access to heaven. Things like being a member of a church, that might give me access to heaven. Things like, you know, just being an attender in a church service or going and, you know, uh, uh, to uh, maybe a life group or going on an outreach. If I go, you know, to Haiti and I, you know, spend time, you know, just loving on people there, that's the next one. It's goodness. People think if I'm just a good moral individual, you know, if I, if I benefit society, if I use my resources to do good and to, and to, and to be a benefit to people around me, if, if my good outweighs my bad, it might gain me access to heaven. Other people think that if they increase in knowledge, they can, they can first understand enough about God to know how to please God, right? So you have scholars who think so much who know and learn so much, but they never apply what they learn. And that would happen to the Pharisees. And we still have today have Pharisees. If you have a lot of religious knowledge, but your life is not aligning with the knowledge, you're a Pharisee. Because you're not walking in the truths of the knowledge that you have obtained. 
And we need to be all careful to not become Pharisees. The more we know, we need to learn that knowledge puffs us up. And it makes us think that we know and we are better than we truly are. But other people use their knowledge to try and explain God away. <laughs> I don't need God. And they think through that that they might escape the reality of their sin. Of course, they would deny that too. But that's just what knowledge does. It makes you think that you can explain yourself out of this situation. Last thing people try and do is they try to throw money at stuff. Look, there's a lot of people doing a lot of good, but it doesn't mean that that's bringing them to heaven. A lot of people spend a lot of money on being, you know, on finding solutions, on finding things that will benefit society. And a lot of people think that if they just, if they're just very philanthropic and they just, you know, use whatever influence and, and resources they have to, you know, better society and increase and improve the health situation of society, the economic situation of society, that that will gain them entrance into heaven. Guess what the Bible says? Not one of these attempts can gain you access to heaven, but they all result in one place, and that's eternal separation from God in hell. Now that leaves us with a conundrum. That is a reality. And until, <clears throat> until you bring somebody to that reality, that literally brings them to the end of themselves, there's no way that they will actually be able to fully grasp what Jesus did. But this is where you start introducing Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ came and I, and I made a little gospel creed. Not I, I sorry, I found a little gospel creed. Um, and, and, and you can find that too online. And it's basically this. The gospel is the good news that God became a man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life that we should have lived. It's a perfect life, sinless life. And then he died the death that we should have died in our place. And three days later, excuse me, he rose from the dead, proving that he's the son of God and that he's offering salvation, the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins to everyone who repents and believes in him. So what does is, what is the illustration says? The illustration says basically this, that none of our attempts to get ourselves to close this gap between us and God will work. The only thing that helps us breach that gap is if we put our faith in the work of grace that Jesus Christ did on the cross. The Bible says, yes, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And that's the next, the next side of, of, of the blanks that you fill in. The free gift of God is eternal life eternal life in Christ Jesus. Remember, eternal life is not in my religion. It's not in my church membership. It's not in my religious works. It's not in my good works. It's not in my knowledge, how much I know about Christianity. It's not in how much I give. It's in Christ. And if I have put my faith and trust in what Christ did on the cross, God grants me a free gift. It's not something I earned or something I developed or something that I obtained. It is a free gift of God eternal life. And this brings us to the question mark. God is calling you. The Bible says, by me sharing this message with you, God is calling you to respond to it. But Romans 10, 13 says, you have to call on him to be saved. 
Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So my question to you today is, will you stop trusting in all the things that you have done and all the things that you intend to do to close the gap between you and God? And will you put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? That's how simple it is to share the gospel with somebody in a visual, scriptural way. So I want to hear from you. Maybe you sitting here and you thought that, man, I'm okay because I'm a part of this church, or I'm okay because I'm part of that church, or I'm okay because, you know, I do a lot of good. And I'm not, you know, that guy that's got, you know, the seven addictions and the seven wives. You know what? There's, a, there's an account in Scripture where somebody prayed such a prayer. And he said to God, thank you, God, that I'm not like this guy next to me. You know, I wasn't addicted to all those things, and I wasn't you know, cheating on my wife. And I'd basically done all the good things. I've been you know, trying to do as much of what you have asked us to do as I can. And then the Bible describes the prayer of the other man. The other man was despised by society, and yet he just called out to God, beat his chest and says, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please have grace. Please have mercy. The Bible says, <coughs> this guy went away having, being, having his situation being made right with God. Not the first guy. You see, God wants us to understand that <clears throat> our relationship, or, or rather our salvation, is not based on anything that you and I can do. It's purely based on His grace. And you hearing this message means that He's calling on you to respond to it. So can we close our eyes for a second right now? I want to actually ask you, like you will ask somebody, have you ever made this decision to stop trusting in yourself? And if you have not, and you want to really put your faith in Jesus Christ alone, why don't you just acknowledge that? Why don't you say yes to him today? If that's you, why don't you just put up your hand right now? If you've never heard this message like this before, you've always thought, man, I'm okay because you know, of what I do. But you want to put your faith in what Jesus did today to secure your reconciliation with God. Put up your hand right now. We're going to pray together. I see those hands. Hands going up everywhere. I see those hands. I want you to pray this prayer in your heart with me. Father God, thank you for loving me even when I was ignoring you. I realize now that my sin separated me from you and hurt those around me. Please forgive me and cleanse me of all my guilt. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to take my punishment for my sin. And I believe that he rose from the dead and is alive today. I submit my heart and mind to his leadership. Jesus be my Lord and my Savior from today. And please help me to live my life for you alone. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with a sincere heart, meaning every word, the Bible says a miracle takes place in your heart and you become born again. You become born again and the Spirit of God takes residence inside your heart. And that's awesome. I want to remind you of that verse we read in the beginning because this is where the Holy Spirit becomes such an integral part to us being able to use our testimonies as a weapon in this world. Verse 8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth.
When you become born again, the Spirit of, the God, of God takes residence inside your heart and He seals you for salvation. In other words, after that, your mistakes are now covered by His grace. But there is an empowerment that each and every one of us needs to seek in order to be bold and effective witnesses for Jesus Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit lies in two things. Number one, it builds me up if I pray in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes with incredible gifts and supernatural abilities that is meant to build up the body of Christ. But there is one gift that if you will break through by faith in receiving it, helps you build up your own faith. And that's the gift of praying in a, in a spiritual prayer language or what some might refer to as praying in tongues. The second way the Spirit builds us up is no matter how well we present information like this to people, it's only the Spirit of God that can bring conviction to people's hearts. The Bible says the job of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction and to convince the world of their sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. This is why it's so important that you and I be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to show you the disciples and this Pentecost Sunday, what this was all about. Because the disciples were obedient to Jesus and they didn't go. They waited, like he told them, for that gift to come upon them. And after it happened, the Bible says that this one man that first denied Jesus, then ran away and hid, all of a sudden became this bold preacher that confronted the Jewish society that just crucified Jesus. And he basically blamed them for crucifying Jesus, the Son of God, by their disobedience and preached to them the gospel and explained to them what happened through the cross. What caused a man that was fearful, that denied Christ, that ran away and hid, to all of a sudden be able to just stand without any fear and confront people with the truth of Jesus Christ? One thing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the only thing that divided them before and them after. And then Peter, this is the guy I'm, I'm preaching about, the Apostle Peter, he said this about the 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 event that took place, Pentecost that took place, when the Holy Spirit came and, and filled the men with power and they started prophesying and they started speaking in different languages and unknown tongues. He said, this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And he tells them, look, these people aren't drunk. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Spirit. The outcome of his sermon that day resulted in this, verse 37 of Acts 2. Now they heard this and they were cut to the heart. That's what the Holy Spirit does. When you speak the gospel to people with the power of the Holy Spirit, it convicts them of their sin and their inability to save themselves. And that question mark at the end of that presentation becomes a question mark in their hearts. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What must I do now? I realize I can't save myself. And this is what Peter told them. Repent, be baptized, 
um, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you too receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for everyone whom the Lord your God calls to himself. God calls people through the gospel. You have been called by God. He has chosen you in his Son to be reunited with God, with his Father. That's what makes me so excited. Today, we're going to end our service off with a time of praying for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you have never been prayed over to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, this is your chance now. If you've prayed, been prayed over, but you've never come to a place where you've broken through in, in praying in the Spirit, I want you to come as well. Let us lay hands on you as the Bible teaches and pray over you and ask God and trust God that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit. What will happen to your life is you will receive that power, that boldness, that passionate desire to share the truth that transformed your life with people around you. And so <clears throat> I want, as this Sunday <laughs> marked the old disciples, the first disciples, mark them as being filled with the Holy Spirit and mark the day that their mission started and they were sent forth to preach the gospel. And we see after that how the, the message of, of, of Jesus just starts like wildfire, just going everywhere. And it's all because of the Holy Spirit's empowerment. The Holy Spirit his job is to bring conviction, but His function in us is to empower us to share the gospel. He wants to make you in a powerful gospel-sharing individual, disciple of Jesus Christ, with no shame to talk about your faith, but you need the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, don't go yet. Don't go yet. But when the Holy Spirit comes on you, all of a sudden, it's now go. Go. You've been set on fire. Like the one guy said, now go and let the, sea watch, let the world see you burn for God. Let the world see how you're passionately burned for Jesus. So let's stand together and let's enter a time of just personal worship. I want you if, you're, if you're here and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit to quietly pray in your, in your, in your prayer language. Um, don't draw attention to yourself, but just quietly pray and intercede. If you have never been filled with the Holy Spirit and you want us to pray over you today, I'm going to stand back a little bit. I want to ask you to come join me here in front because I want to lay hands on you and trust God with you that you will receive him today. So let's all close our eyes and let's all just be spending time together. Father, I pray that you come meet us here today. We're here to perform your will, Father. And so I just ask God that you, you just move on people's hearts here today and that they will respond, respond to your loving invitation to, to fill them with the life the streams of living water might also flow from their inside, Lord God, bringing them life. I pray that in Jesus' name.